And welcome everyone to another episode of Turnbuckle Talk with Matt and Slade. I am Matt, and as always, I am joined by my wonderful co-host Slade. Slade, how's it going today, my man? Uh, going pretty good. We, uh, you know, we're still up here in Kentucky. It's, uh, it's, it actually warmed up a little bit last week, so it wasn't quite as cold. It had a pretty good week at work, and was able to kind of gallivant this weekend, and also catch up a little bit on some of the uh, wrestling I've been having to miss because I had to go to bed, you know, for the have to go to bed with the rooster and have to wake up before them. There you go. Well, it's always good to hear. Always good to hear. It seems like we 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 missed a missed another hurricane down here in South Mississippi. Fortunately, uh, glad glad to hear it. Glad to hear got, it. Got a good bit of wind, um, but nothing nothing we haven't been exposed to before. So um, we're, we're blessed on that front. Uh, today we are talking about NXT TakeOver 31 that happened last Sunday. Um, we're going to give our thoughts and opinions on the show, what you know, what we liked and what we didn't like. I will give you a little spoiler for an NXT TakeOver. I don't think there's going to be much that we didn't like. Um, but in the meantime, before we get started, if you could please follow us on our social media platforms, that would be very much appreciated. Um, we are on Twitter at Turnbuckle P, and on Facebook we are at Facebook.com/BuckleTalk, or you can just search for Turnbuckle Talk in the top search bar. And please give us a like on Facebook. Please give us a follow on Twitter. That way you can stay up to date on when we drop new episodes and everything that comes along with it. With that said, Slade, you about to re- you about ready to get into the to the review? Let's roll. All right, we uh, and just for clarification, I'm getting my information from WrestlingInc.com. I want to be sure and give them the credit. Um, since this thing happened a week ago, I I'm not up to date on remembering every single thing that happened. So I figured I would get a little help from Wrestling Inc. So I appreciate them providing the the rundown of what happened during the show to keep us organized. Um. First, what do you think about the transformation of the performance center? They, you know, they started off the the takeover with a nice video montage that mostly focused on Vince that Vince's dad. Um, it, they they've remodeled the performance center and it's now called the Capital Wrestling Center, um, and it's got kind of a mix between the Thunderdome and some live fans. What they were doing previously at the performance center. Uh, Slade, what, what do you think about what they've done with it? I like it. It it sort of gives it a a more how can I say this a, a more um, professional uh, a look. I think because the whole the whole the whole uh, you know having a few wrestlers out there with plexiglass just it didn't look right. I agree. And I love and, and I love the name. It's it's such a it's an homage to seniors old uh old thing before it became the worldwide wrestling federation then it became the world wrestling federation the wwe that we know and love today so you know kind of a kind of a throwback and a in a way but also you know know it the situation we're in now kind of putting a putting an old name on a new twist i kind of like that and, uh, and that montage was great with all the bits letters and all the stuff he was saying it was it was really well done again as we, as I said last week, WWE. One thing they've done well for as long as I can remember is video montages and video promos to set you up for either a show or a match or whatever. They 
they do a really good job getting you in the mood for it. Oh, most definitely. Um, I agree with you. I, I liked it. I think the performance center itself, obviously it wasn't built with the idea of hosting wrestling events. That's why it's called the performance center. Um, and, and so them being forced to use that for so long during this pandemic, uh, you know, I, it got stale, but I don't think it was WWE's fault that it got stale. I think they did what they could do with it. Yeah. Yeah. It is, I think it, it is, I, it's kind of an is what it is situation. You got to make what you can. Right. I feel like it had just run its course, you know, um, it would have been fine for maybe a month, six weeks, but it just, it, it got very bland and which of course they had moved um, NXT had been moved to the full cell for, the yeah, last couple of while. months, if I believe. Yeah, um, but while they were redoing the performance center. Right. But Full Cell still, you know, it, Full Cell still has that dark, gritty feel that they've always had with NXT. So to see them come um, to the Capitol Wrestling Center now, uh, to see the, the walls of the screens, you know, kind of like the Thunderdome, um, and to still include the live fans like they had it previous, I, I thought it was a nice little mixture of both. Um, and I like it. I like it. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a really nice look. It's a, and it, like I said, like we said, you know, it, it you don't you can only go so far at either full sale or the performance center as it was. So so finding a way to kind of kind of freshen that up a little bit, and again, that name just sort of evokes those old the the old school feel. The NXT kind of sort of goes for it at times. I mean, they don't. They don't fully, you know, they're, they're very modern. They acknowledge that, but they also like to to play, you know, show homages to, to the past with, you know, shows like, you know, the In Your House and the Great American Bash and stuff like that and Halloween Havoc that they're they're going to be doing for a, for a regular show. You know, so, you know, kind of keeping that what's old is new again thing that they've got. And again, the look was just, I, I love the look out there. Absolutely. And I think it was, I think it was about time for a little, I wouldn't call it a rebrand. Because um, NXT, you know, they still got the blue, black and yellow uh, or whatnot, but just kind of a, a refresh. A yeah, refresh, you know, because it's been, what, 2013, 2014? Yeah. Um, so, you know, going over six, seven years now where they've had kind of the same setup. Um, so getting it, you know, but still keeping their same identity, but just adding a little bit more to it. Yes. I like it. Um, I, I really, really enjoyed the, the optics of that. Um, so to start out, we had, and I will say, I'm going to start with my biggest, <laughs> my biggest gripe of the night. Uh, they have Vic Joseph, Wade Barrett and Beth Phoenix, as always on commentary, uh, Beth, Beth Phoenix was working remotely as she has been. Um, and Vic Joseph and Wade Barrett were in the arena. You can't see me, but I used air quotes because if you noticed, Anytime they showed the announcers behind the match, it was obviously not anybody that was actually talking on TV. And I was confused as to why you would have imposter announcers at the announce table. Yeah. Um, and that, and it, it, I'll be honest, it kind of took me away once I realized that, you know, because what the girl that was sitting out there at the announce table, it looked like Sasha Banks almost. Um, but it took me anytime I'd see a shot with the announcers in the background, it took me away from the match. Cause I kept looking, trying to figure out exactly who they were. Right. You know? And I was like, and you could tell that like they were trying to act like they were commentating, but their mouths weren't matching up with the words coming up, you know? And I, I was just like, this is 
unnecessary in my opinion. And then yeah, probably the biggest gripe I had from the entire show. Yeah, they, they should have done a deal where you kind of had the table like up at the top of the or, or something, or or maybe in a situation, or maybe set up, uh, you know, some way where you can explain why you can't see them, but have plausible deniability that they're actually there. That way, you don't because, like you said, it takes away from when you can actually see that they're not there. Right. I, yeah. I mean, it, it just didn't make sense to me. You know, maybe if they would have explained it, I don't, I don't know. It, it just, or like you said, put it, put them in a table by the stage, by the entrance or something kind of out of sight, out of mind type thing. Um, but other than that, you know, like I said, that, that, that was my biggest gripe of the entire show. And that's a small gripe in the grand scheme of things is it didn't sour me on the show or anything like that right. like i said the only the only issue that it gave me um is when they showed shots where they were in the background it kind of took me away for a few seconds from the actual match happening in the ring other than that it was fine. so we started off with gargano and damian priest with the north american title um gargano kind of sort of has become for lack of a better term the gatekeeper uh of nxt he's the guy that you kind of you kind of look at as the uh, as as the guy that you 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 beat him, you know, to sort of prove your medal as the as the whatever role you're being at North American champ, NXT champ. He's kind of your guy, and of course, Damian Priest, the he won it in a ladder match at the last takeover, so sort of his first major defense. So we're we're going from there to uh, to start us off in a good good hot match to to get us going. A lot of action. Um, Gargano really, really, uh, really, he brought it that he brought it, and so did Priest. Uh, he had the spot where Priest hit the razor's edge on the uh, the apron, which, as we all know, is the hardest part of the ring. And that was that was kind of nasty as a look to me. That should be a finish. Um, the razor's edge has always been brought up as a as a as a killer, and on a on the mat, that should do it, but it didn't. So that's a that's a very minor drop because again the business has evolved so much over the last you know 20 30 years that what used to be you know like the DDT when we were kids when Jake the Snake Roberts hit it death if you got hit with the DDT it was over you know it was just you know how quick did he want to pin you because you were done now it's basically a transition so I didn't love that, but other than but that's a very minor squabble. What was a very very good match? Oh, definitely. Uh, I, I Damian Priest has grown on me. Um, the first the first couple few times I, I, I've seen him a while back, I didn't really care much for him. I guess you could say I didn't understand his character. Um, but he he's grown on me, especially the last I'd say three months or so. Um, uh, you know, I assumed going into this that Priest would win just based on the trajectory of everything. Um, it looks like they're putting the rocket to him. Um, and Gargano, like you said, he's kind of – you got to beat Gargano if you want to be established. Right. Because uh, he's been there forever. I will say – I mean, Gargano can wrestle for days. Uh, I, I, you know, I won't deny that. It's just I don't really – care for johnny gargano at this point he's yeah he's he's he needs to move up desperately he's been there for so long it's just 
there's not much more you can do with him at this point, truthfully. Right. And I think they're trying to add something, putting him with his wife. Um, but it just, to me, it brings her down to his level instead of bringing him up to her level. Right. You know, and I won't fault them for trying and, you know, and trying to make it, trying to reinvent him a little bit or add a little spice to him, if you, if, if you will. And, and uh, go ahead, but. I mean, I, had, I really had nothing else to add. Like I said, it, it was a good match. Like you said, it was a really good match. Um, they can both go. Um, and I thought, you know, the, the, the booking of the match was well done in terms of getting Priest over and, and making him believable. Yes. Um, against somebody as established as Gargano. And that was a good way to start. It was a good way to start the show. And um, I just this this will probably be – we'll probably know for sure after this this actually makes air because we're recording this on a Sunday but the rumor is Gargano and uh, Candice LeRae are both probably going to be drafted tomorrow night on Raw or they may be drafted by Smackdown or Raw but they're they're in the draw they're in the draft pool in other words and apparently Vince has basically decided that they could that that they need to move up so and that's probably for Gargano that's probably the best thing at this point he needs new opponents he needs fresher opponents you know, get him, get him with some people that he hasn't been with and, and kind of in a different role than he's been. Cause like I said, he's been doing the, you know, he was the, you know, the never say die plucky baby face. Then he's kind of, he's done the heel run the last, you know, about a year or so, but he, it's, it, he can only do so much next day. He's faced everybody. He's done everything. Get him, get him on up. Absolutely. The only issue I would have, or the not issue, the only concern, I guess, is do, would Vince see him as a Daniel Bryan or as a Ricochet? You know, because you're, if you're he, hope- you just you just never know with the smaller guys and with how Vince thinks of them. You know what I mean? Yeah, and and you worry sometimes. The one thing I think it will help is if if Candice is with him. I think that'll at least having having her there will at least give. Vince can generally find something for 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 a, a guy with a with a female valet or for a female wrestler like a Larray, and maybe that'll give him just a little bit of a, a bounce and and get him get him at least on the right foot because you know if you get off to a bad start it's hard to it's hard to get that back it's hard to get that foot back if you don't if you don't hit the ground running right and I agree with you he's done everything he can do or that he needs to do in NXT um, so I don't think. You know, I'm not trying to say he should stay in NXT, but that would be if I were him or anybody that was a, a strong supporter of Gargano. That would be my main concern with him moving to the main roster. Yes, absolutely. Just based on based on history, you know, um, he, he can go one way or the other, and rather quickly with Vince McMahon. Yeah, and you never. And the thing is, you never know. Vince could Vince could be high on him today, and then yeah. two days later decide I don't like this guy, and then and then you're sunk. So exactly. So, but I do think having Larray around will help just because I think Vince would be more willing. I don't think he'd want to ruin two. And I no, think definitely, that's yeah. be, I think that's, I think that's, that's Gargano's, I don't want to say saving grace. I think that'll help. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you on that. So moving on, we had. Uh, I, I guess we need to say Priest won the match. It was a really good match. Priest won to retain the belt. Uh, about I think it's about 17 minutes, 17 minutes, 30 seconds thereabout. Um, Priest wins to retain the belt, uh, and that leads us to our next match. Go ahead. Sorry. Absolutely. No, you're good. 
And the next match we had Kushida versus the Velveteen Dream. Um, I actually li- I liked the theme they were going for with the whole Back to the Future theme between both of them. Um, I, you know, we all know Velveteen Dream. If, if he's on a takeover, he's going to have some kind of special gear going. Um, right. So like, uh, you know, I, I liked I like the callback to the Back to the Future. Um, yeah, Kushida kind of got the Marty McFly deal and, and uh, Velveteen going with the Doc Brown uh, get up, which was, which was again, nice, nice thing. That's one of the things that give Dream a lot of credit for. He always, he always has really neat uh, gear when it's, when it's takeover time. Absolutely. Sometimes it gets him, sometimes it gets him in trouble, like when he put Call Me Up Vince on his tights, but you know. Hey, you'll remember it. Vince. Absolutely. And like I said, you'll, you'll always remember it. Um, this was a, this was a good match. I admittedly, I haven't gotten too much into Kushida in terms of watching him work. Same. Um, Cause you know, Kushida's big Japanese star. Um, and so, and probably I lose my wrestling finger and I haven't watched enough Japanese wrestling. I know, I know who he is, and I've seen a little bit, but not a probably not enough to really get an idea of what I was getting myself into. But he was really impressive in this match. Yes, I, I love the way they booked this match. Um, I had a feeling that Dream would lose, but he would take the pin. Uh, but the way they did it, the booking through the match was really, really well done. Uh, the my favorite part of this match to me was actually after the match. Yes, um, just seeing Kushida kind of show a mean, a mean rough side to him. You know, beating yes. up on Dream afterwards and. And, you know, he came, he came the referees. Yeah, you know, he was in the ring. He attacked him, you know, right before the bell started. He, he worked the arm the whole match, uh, was and finally, finally got the submission at the very end after I think three or four attempts at it. He finally, finally got, finally got Dream in the middle of the ring and got him to submit. And then after it was over, he just, you know, beat the crap out of him in the, in the middle of the ring and had to get the rest. And then it looks like they did the same thing on, uh, on Wednesday where he's, and, you know, you don't know if it's a double turn or if it's just kind of giving Kushida a little bit of an edge before, you know, as he's as he's moving along, kind of a don't mess with me vibe. So, but again, really, really good work from both of them. Uh, Dream, Dream's a very uh, talented, very talented performer. And when he gets his mind right and he does what he's, you know, when he does, when he gets in that mode of I want to have a good match, he, he can perform with just about anybody. And he's still so young. Yeah, he's, he's so what young. twenty. He's like twenty four, twenty five. I mean, he's still, he's got, he's got time. He he's got time. He can, you know, just keep his head on straight and make sure he doesn't do anything dumb, and kind of, kind of keep keep on the trajectory. He's got, he's got the the persona down. The oh, the Velveteen yes. Dream persona is is great. I catch myself every now and again at work singing the Velveteen Dream theme song, which is weird, <laughs> I know, but you know. D R E A M is, but yeah, he in his facials, um, you know, when he's yes. selling, his facials yes. are top notch. Like you, you, his expressions, you can't, you can't beat those. Yeah, and then he's, you know, and he and he sells how much he's in pain when he's getting when a guy's got to move on. He'll start screaming and and yelling and begging and and basically sounding like he's desperate to get out of it because it's it's hurting him that bad. So again, he's got a lot of stuff going for him. Yoshida, really good uh, showcase match for him coming over. Uh, his first takeover match. You know, you don't, you know, you want to give the right impression. You know, you, kind of the gold standard for that's uh, Nakamura, his Shinsuke Nakamura, him fighting Sami Zayn at uh, Takeover Dallas in 16, which is one of the best matches I've ever seen. 
And it was just, you know, that was a great intro because at that point, no matter what happened, Shinsuke was set. Absolutely. And I think I think uh, they did right by Kushida in putting him with Velveteen Dream, kind of like the same thing we said with Gargano and Damian Priest. Um, you know, having Priest go over Gargano just legitimizes him a little bit more, just, you know, based on Gargano's reputation. He's been there forever. He's a veteran. Um, somebody like Velveteen Dream, he's already established. Like you said, you know his character. You know what he's about. You know the matches he's been in previously. So having Kushida go over him – it automatically legitimizes him even more based right. on who he beat. So I think they did it. You know, they're it, really, really smart in putting him with, with dream and dream and dreams kind of in that, in that spot where him losing doesn't hurt him that much. No, not at all. like, like, cause, cause, cause he's, you know, he's, he's lost the match for, but it does it. The way his character works, it doesn't hurt him to lose as much right. as it does to other people. I was going to say, it doesn't take away from him at all. Right. Um, If you make it, if you book it the right way, you know, right. If there's yeah. no BS involved. Right. Um, so yeah, Kushida, he, he won the match. And like we said, after the match, he continued beating on Velveteen dream, um, showing a darker side or a rougher side, if you will, yes. of Kushida. Um, like I said, I really like the way this was done. Uh, following the match, we got a promo for Halloween havoc. They are bringing yes. back Halloween havoc. And yeah, uh, a stalwart of the old WCW. I, I think it actually made even go back to the Crockett days. So I know that on the old on the old Halloween habits, they'd have a they have uh, tombstones that had Crockett's name on it. So I don't know if it goes all the way back that far or if it's one of those kind of a wink wink to the to the old days. But you've got Halloween Havoc coming up. Um, Shotzi Blackheart, I believe, is going to be hosting Halloween Havoc. Yes. Which will be which will be on. Let me see if I can find the date here. I'm sorry. It's going to be October twenty eighth. The heck yes. it, it'll be oh, the well, that Wednesday. Yes, yeah, actually, yes. Yeah, not a pay per view. Um, it's actually going to be in a, a special edition of NXT. Um, on its normal time slot on a Wednesday, uh, October twenty eighth. Which you know, obviously, you can do the math a couple of days before our actual Halloween. But but I, but I love it again. Um, soft spot. There's some really there's some really cool stuff that happened on Halloween Havocs back in the day. One of the great matches. Uh. One of the great matches of all time, Eddie Guerrero versus Rey Mysterio at Halloween Havoc 97. So, again, like we were saying earlier, they're bringing kind of they, – they, it's old as new again in NXT. But they'll take those those old titles, those old shows, those old concepts. They'll bring them in. They'll sort of put their spin on it and make it – and kind of make it their own. And so, can't wait. I think it'll be a glorious thing. And, again, Shotzi Blackheart's adorable. So, that'll Absolutely. be that'll be great absolutely and next up we had the nxt cruiserweight title match we had isaiah swerve scott versus santos escobar um i'm gonna be short and sweet on this and then i'll let you say whatever you need to say every time i see him i enjoy santos escobar more and more and more i think yeah. he can be one of if if positioned correctly he can be one of the top heels in the company. Just my personal yeah. opinion. Yeah, he's he's got he's got a lot of stuff going for him. Uh, very very talented. Ring. Got more charisma than, than I thought he did at first. He's he's sort of really really brought that in. Um, you've still got Isaiah. You know Isaiah Swerve Scott, a, a really a good worker in his own right. This was a this was a phenomenal match. It was a, a a phenomenal phenomenal match. Um, you had um, you know you kind of had the whole Escobar and his uh, 
his cronies coming in. And then Scott got um, Ashante Adonis to come out to sort of help even the playing field, which was good. They, you, you know, you need that spot in, in this kind of match because, you know, after a while, three on two and three on one beat down, you, you can't. It makes you look dumb if you don't have some game plan for that. Like, if you know a guy like this has backup, you need to have a game plan for to combat that, and he did. But these two, these two had a great match. Um, Santos Escobar, again, like you said, he has really picked his game up ever since they, uh, ever since the cruiserweight title tournament where he beat Drake, Drake Maverick for the title and sort of, you know, joined his guys. You've got. You've got something there with him. And um, Swerve Scott, again, very young, very young uh, up-and-comer. And I think he's got a chance to be a be a, uh, a player down the road. But it's, it's, it's Escobar and Legado de Fantasma's time right now. Those That's a really, really strong group. Um, Escobar reminds me a little bit of uh of angel garza only i, I think <laughs> i was gonna say the I, same exact thing I, only I, I think he might be i think garza's got a little bit more charisma a little bit more talent but escobar's young enough and talented enough that i think he's got something uh i think he's got something cooking and he's been a really good representative as the uh, nxt cruiserweight champion Absolutely. Yeah. I was having the same thoughts as you were talking a minute ago. I was like, Escobar, they're different, but he still reminds me a little bit of Garza. Yes. But I feel like it, it's just different because, you know, Garza plays the I'm a good looking woman right. stealer type deal. But Escobar, he just he looks menacing for you know yeah. what he does. Um, and and yeah, I, the, the more yeah, I watch him, yeah, the more a, a I meter, like him. A meter, a meter is probably a good comparison, right? Yeah, because he, cause, yeah. And yeah, I, I'm I'm starting to just anytime he comes on the screen, it's gotten to where I'll stop what I'm doing and I'll watch. And three months ago, that wasn't the case. Right, and and he's got it. He's he's got it, and he's. He's really taken the ball and run with it as far as the NXT Cruiserweight Championship goes. I was, I was kind of worried when they brought it back that it would kind of, for lack of a better term, with the exception of the time that um, Neville slash Pac had it, Cruiserweight title kind of got lost by the wayside. And I was kind of afraid it had the same uh, fate. But, but, you know, he's done a... But he's done a really good job of uh, of really elevating that title and letting it elevate him and letting it really solidify itself as a true um, sure looking for here something that's worth fighting for and you know right. having a, a really good champion that can carry that is really it's important because if you if the champion's a nobody and you beat him you've beaten nobody to win the title but if you have somebody like this you can really be like okay. If you beat him, you've done something. Then you've got something. I, and again, really, 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 really impressive stuff from Santos Escobar. Absolutely, yeah. It, it just does nothing but it legitimize that title even more. And, and, and the other thing is, it doesn't hurt a guy like Swerve Scott to lose to a champion like that. Like, if, no, like not, you yeah. fight, you know, you know, if you fight like that, you know, you know, he's 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 legitimized himself as a guy that hey. 
right night he can he can win this thing. Right. And you lose to a guy like that, you know, hey, you lost to a champ. Right. You're still the underdog at the end of the day, you know, and there's nothing wrong with the right. underdog losing in a in a tough fight, in a tough fought match. So yeah, I was I was fine with the way this went. Uh Santos is still your NXT cruiserweight champion. After that match, we had the NXT women's title match. We had the wonderful Candice LeRae versus the amazing Io Shirai. Um, I will say this. I've had a couple buddies that follow along for, uh, for a few years now, and they've always been telling me that Io Shirai was the best woman's wrestler in the world. You know, they were convinced she's the best. Um, she's been the best. And I just kind of, you know, my, I always say Asuka. Like, I just – that's my preference. Yeah. Um, and – and but I will say she's another one, man. She's – it's hard to deny her. It's she hard is, to deny her. She is awesome, and that's why it bothers me so much that there was a spot in this match that I just – I hated it. And oh, it and was, before, before we get to the match, I will I will say, and I tweeted out on our Twitter account, but Io Shirai's uh, entrance music gives me um, very much Ultimate Warrior vibes. It makes me just like want to run around in circles and just like start shaking something. Yeah, just like she, that techno. Her, her, her entrance music is great. Her oh, entrance, I love it. Io Io has really like her turning from kind. You know, she went from. You know, plucky, lovable, high-flying baby face to evil, dastardly heel, and she changed her look and her music, which is what she's got now. Now she's kind of more of a, a, a tweener, leaning sort of face-ish, but yeah, her, her get-up, her everything about Io Shirai is, is great right now. She is, she's hitting it out of the park as women's champion, and she's doing not that the NXT Women's Championship already didn't have a, you know, major legitimacy with the people who've held it. Charlotte Flair, Becky, Sasha, or not Becky, Becky never held it. Charlotte Flair, Bailey, Sasha Banks, uh, Asuka held it, and, you know, Shayna Baszler had it. Um, Kyrie Sane had it for a little bit, but then Baszler got it back. I mean, you have, it's a, it's a, something that's worth fighting for, but EO is really taking it to another level, and again, this match hit on all cylinders you had two women uh candace LeRae. give give her her credit too she was she was great in this match as well played her role as the um woman who has been wanting this chance for a while and who tried to do it the right way for so long that and never never worked out for her. so she said to heck with it she's gonna go she's gonna do it her way the gargano way with uh with her husband johnny gargano and and by hooker by crook try to win it and smash hit on all cylinders it had you had everything going and for the first 12 13 minutes of this match it was hard hitting fast paced had everything you would want in a in a match and then Larray gets the gargano escape on eo eo gets the ropes she, they there's a break and in the ensuing you know struggle Candice LeRae accidentally elbows the referee. Referee goes down. And then LeRae hits a move on, on EO. She pins her. There's no ref. Then Gargano comes down in a referee's shirt and counts. 
One, two, EO kicks out. Um, Gargano then throws a tantrum that Christian would be proud of. Uh, <laughs> Christian, uh, yeah, th- those of those of us who remember Christian's tantrums whenever things didn't go his way, he, you know, there was that. And then, you know, he and Candace start talking. The referee gets up and he starts yelling at Gargano for having the referee shirt on. Gargano drops the title belt in the ring. While they're arguing, Larray clocks EO with the belt. EO kicks out of that, hits the Spanish fly, hits the hits the moonsault, gets the one, two, three. My biggest issue is that it seems like you're doing way too much. Like, like if you if you want to have Gargano come down and do the fake referee thing, that's fine. The the setup should have been Larray goes to hit EO with the belt, EO ducks. You know, hits a move that hits a move on the belt, then hits the moonsault, and and you sort of set up. But now you look make it just looks stupid, it, and it looks too too convoluted because that belt shot should have either knocked EO out or it should have never happened. It, it to, to me, it just because there's no point. There's no, no point, and and, and that and that took away from it to me. Just and it's a shame because those two could those two could go. And I think those two could have had a great, great match without all of that. They were having a really great match without all of it, but kind of, that's again, it's it's my biggest gripe of the night, realistically, if that's my biggest gripe with the show, you've done something right, because it's a, it's a relatively minor gripe in the grand scheme of things. It's just one of those, probably a personal preference, but... Again, Io Shirai, phenomenal, phenomenal worker. And then we, after the match was over with, we got a couple of announcements. Absolutely. Um, so Tony Storm appeared on the big screen um, to congratulate Io Shirai on retaining her title. Um, but she also wanted to make sure this uh, Io Shirai and everyone else had their head on a swivel um, because she's, she's in NXT. Um, she has she has moved over from the NXT UK. Right, she's she's stateside now, um, and and she says you know she'll she'll see everybody soon, and, and so it's... we thought that was the the big surprise, and then all of a sudden we see um, the vignettes that have been popping up the last few weeks of, of of a mystery person trying to I guess you would say break through or you know. If, get their championship back or whatever, you know, whatever you want to call it. Um, we see them riding, riding into the performance center or the Capitol wrestling center, excuse me, um, on a motorcycle. And I'll be honest with you. I thought it was before this last vignette or promo or whatever you want to call it. I had assumed it was a guy. Um, yes. I was deep, deep down. I was hoping it was Bo Dallas just because I miss Bo Dallas. Bo but, Dallas is awesome. Oh, that's neither here nor there. But so uh, they come into the building and whatnot. And who would you guess but Ember Moon is back in NXT? And I got to tell you, I was very, very, very excited to see her show up. Um, I love Ember Moon. She's so talented. She's so athletic. And I had heard uh, rumblings and rumors that she might be done wrestling just because of her injuries. Um, they're very devastating. Yeah, she, um, so, she, so, so, so to see her come back was really, it really made my night. If I, if I remember right, she blew out her Achilles, correct? Yes. Which, is, which can absolutely be a career ender, especially, 
especially consider the style of, of, of work that Ember does very, very, uh, very quickness based, very agility based, right. very athletic. Yeah. You, lose, you knew, you know, you lose, you know, you lose your Achilles or it, it, the amount of time it takes to get that back. You know, it's, it's, you, you can absolutely lose it. They did a good job of kind of keeping her out there on the, the, uh, what was the name of that show they had on Fox backstage backstage where she was, she was a co-host that, you know, and, and getting back to Tony Storm just for a second, I, I, I don't know if they mentioned this on the show or not, but there is kind of a history there because uh, Storm beat EO to win the 2018 May Young Classic. So there's an there's an obvious feud there. You've also got Ember Moon, who you know is back and again never really got the uh, title reign she probably deserved or, or earned in NXT. So kind of having her back, and it also deepens your division, especially if the rumors are true that Mercedes Martinez is out of retribution and back in NXT. So, right. you know, so all of a sudden you, add, you know, even if LeRae is gone and don't misunderstand LeRae is a phenomenal worker and, you know, Tegan Knox blew out her ACL again, bless her heart. She just, she just can't win for losing. But even then Rhea Ripley, uh, uh, Raquel Gonzalez, Dakota Kai, and now you're at Martinez, you're adding Storm, you're adding Moon. You still got Shotzi Blackheart. So you've got, You've got seven or eight to go with EO. You've got a division again, so absolutely. So it's really good to see they've replenished that the uh, the crown jewel of of their of what NXT really did better than anybody for so long in women's wrestling. So good to see that back, and glad that uh, Storm and, and Moon are back on. Or well, Storm's back or back stateside, and Moon's back. That's that's really good to see. Right, and I I really like the way they produced this segment after the match was over because you never really see two surprises at once no you know no. so that really it really popped me from that sense because you're like okay tony storm cool and then it's like oh well here's somebody else coming and this is what you've been thinking about the last month or so because of all the vignettes and it's like okay now we're going to have another reveal and then it's freaking ember moon and like i said i didn't know if she was ever going to be able to wrestle again um, so to see it be heard, I, I had over the last month, she never crossed my mind when I'd see those. No, promos, you know? no, like I said, no. I was hoping, I was hoping it was Bo Dallas or, you know, some people were speculating Seth Rollins or, you know, and, but it was all mainly guys that people were yeah. um, speculating on. And so to see it be Ember Moon, that completely came out of left field for me. So uh, that was just the cherry on top, in my opinion. So, and that that was a really really good way to to see us into the main event of the night between Finn Balor, the NXT champion, and number one contender Kyle O'Reilly. And I have to remind myself his name's not Kyle O'Reilly, <laughs> but Kyle O'Reilly for the NXT championship. Uh, O'Reilly kind of uh, kind of getting his first real shot as a solo guy from the, from the undisputed era. He had. Uh, he was more or less the tag team stalwart with Roddy with Roderick Strong and then uh, and Bobby Fish in the Undisputed Era while um, Adam Cole had the belt. So Kyle O'Reilly getting his uh, first true shot as a main eventer here on uh, Takeover Thirty One. He and uh, he and Finn Balor going at it, and this was a really good match. I think O'Reilly got hurt legitimately and so did Balor. Balor actually broke his jaw in two places during this match. So they uh they beat each other up pretty good. 
So, uh, but again, this was another really, really good hard, pay, hard, uh, fall, fast paced match. These two, uh, two phenomenal workers. O'Reilly was always arguably the best pure worker of the Undisputed Era. And that's saying something with, with the other three guys in there. And of course, Balor's work speaks for itself. Balor, uh, phenomenal, phenomenal in ring talent. Oh, absolutely. Um, in my opinion, going into this match, I was kind of looking at it the same way I looked at the uh, Jey Uso and Roman Reigns match from Class of Champions. Right. I was looking at it as kind of a placeholder transitional match. Uh, you know, they you just lost Kerry and Cross to injury, um, and it seemed like they were just trying to get something over to get you to the next one. That way they can develop a storyline. But I'll tell you what, they put on one hell of a match, even if it yes. was a transitional match or a placeholder match, whatever, you know, if it's a one-time deal, um, they, they laid it all out there literally and figuratively, like you said, um, they both look like they got hurt. Obviously I could tell right after Balor took that knee in the, in the corner, you know, he was messing with the jaw and you could tell it, it, he, it looked like he got popped pretty good. And then it came out afterwards. He, he fractured it in two places um, to see them put on that type of show. I respect the hell out of them for it. You know, obviously we all know Balor can go. Um, and then I think O'Reilly did a really, really solid job of proving himself as being worthy down the road um, at, a, at a big singles run. Um, yes. And I, and I will say, I feel anytime I watch NXT, I feel very redundant because every single match, I feel like I can say the same exact thing when I'm watching NXT. These guys can, or girls, they can wrestle, they can go, you know, but it's true. Like there's not, it, it, it's almost remarkable with NXT with how consistently good the actual wrestling is. Right. You know, and it's not—it's not always just the same people putting on those matches. It's, no, it no. doesn't matter who it is; it's always just top-notch wrestling. Um, you know, the one thing I wish NXT would do a little bit more of, and this is just a personal preference. This is just what I like personally. I wish they would do a little bit more, uh, for lack of a better term, haha, funny stuff. You know, kind of like they did with Drake Maverick and uh. Uh, was it Killian Dane on Wednesday night? Yes. You yes. know, backstage. Just add a little bit of the entertainment aspect to it. Um, for me personally, um, I, I like that breakup of, you know, you, you got wrestling, 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 wrestling. Give me, give me something funny. Make me laugh for 20 or 30 seconds and then get back to the wrestling because yeah, the wrestling, yeah, just, you, can't, you can't beat the wrestling product that they put on. No, just, um, you know, but yeah, just I, I agree with that to an extent. I, I understand that you you don't want to because you don't want to go too far in the other direction where you try to make everything funny and then it, the right. rest it, suffers. But yeah, but, you don't you uh, don't want it to become a gimmick per se. But but, but you just know, break but it every up. now you know every now and again just to sort of just to sort of add a little flavor to the to the already phenomenal skew that is the the wrestling as you said of NXT. I'll give you a perfect example because I brought him up earlier. But Bo Dallas. Oh, he was um, perfect. When uh, one of my buddies sent me a, it's like a two minute clip of him back in NXT and, 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 you know, all the fans were screaming at him, Bo leave, you know, Bo leave, get out of here. And then he's, I'm calling the police and he goes backstage and he comes back out and he's like, 
well, the police aren't going to come, but I'm going to call campus security. And then he'd go back to the back and he'd come back out. He's like, you guys are me like stuff. That was hilarious. And it went on for like two minutes. Um, but it, you know, it was very gimmicky and there was not a wrestling hold or a wrestling move or anything done, but it was entertaining. Yes. And sometimes you need to put the entertainment into the sports entertainment. And like I said, that I think that would be, like I said, and like you said, don't make it, don't go too far. Just, Throw a little bit like what they did with Drake Maverick and uh, J- Drake Maverick and Killian Dano, and that's all, and, and, that, and that's and that's and and again on NXT, I don't worry about it as much as I do on the main roster because you know Vince sometimes gets an idea in his head and something pops a crowd that he doesn't expect, so they just overplay it and overplay it and overplay it. A good example um, when Titus O'Neil slipped and fell yep. at the Royal Rumble, that was a you know it was it wasn't planned. And it was a legitimately somewhat unfortunate for Titus, but ultimately pretty funny. He didn't get himself hurt. He, you know, he went under the ring. You know, no, no, nothing bad happened. It was it was something you could chuckle about and get a laugh out at. And Titus, because he's a good sport and by all rights, one of the best actual people in the locker room, he laughed it off. And that could have been the end of it. And maybe one more mention. But for the next few weeks, that was the thing. He would slip and fall. He would slip and fall. They'd make a big production about drying off spots before he went in and, and, and ultimately it, it lost the the organic feel that it had and, but I don't think Triple H and, and Shawn Michaels do things like that I think they kind of okay we can we can chuck a little bit but now let's get like serious stuff but again I'm with you I think a little bit a little bit more not too much but a little bit more comedy would help right like I said once again you know the Drake Maverick Killian Dane stuff they did Wednesday night that was perfect you know it was you had them backstage before a commercial break talking or whatnot for what was it? 15, 20 seconds, 30 seconds at most. And then yes. they come out with that entrance with that silly entrance music, but that last, it didn't even last 10 seconds. Right. But it was the right amount. And it, it added just enough just to, you know, and, and personally, I'm, I mean, I love good wrestling. I do, but I also want to laugh. I also want to have fun and I also want to enjoy myself. So if you can mix that in with the really great wrestling that they consistently put out, you're, you're not going to be able to beat that product. Right. And then again, NXT, I, I think we, I mean, you both kind of agree NXT of the, of the three quote unquote brands that WWE has right now. I, I think we'd both say NXT is our person, our personal favorite of the three. Well, it's, it's the best wrestling by far. Yeah, yeah. You know, and- Absolutely. Yeah, so so add just a smidge of the entertainment. Dial the the, the hold on the quote unquote entertainment that you get on Raw and SmackDown. Dial that back about eight notches and give about two of those notches to NXT. I think you'd you'd have about you'd be about perfect. Yes, absolutely. Um, and I think they would get uh, some more viewers on Wednesday night. Yeah, you know, and, it's, and it's, you know, out of those three, out of SmackDown, Raw, NXT, and then if you throw AEW, I mean they're the they're the lowest rated show out of all four, right? Um, and I would I would say yeah, I mean they're the most wrestling focused show out of all four as well. Right. You know AEW has a lot of wrestling as well, but they do a bunch of haha gimmick stuff as well. Yeah. You- um. So I think if you kind of mix it up, throw a little bit in there here and there, um, it, it'll only make the product better and more appealing to a wider range of audience. But we could, uh, but yeah. But anyway, this match still, these two could go. Uh, O'Reilly and Balor, they went at it. 
about a 30 minute match. I think I think it was like 28 and a half minutes. I think was technically it. You can always count on the main event of an NXT takeover going half an hour. And the, it was a, but the good news is the way the shows work and the quality you get, it doesn't feel like it. No, no, yeah, absolutely. Right, like you're talking about a show that's going to last about two and a half hours, and but it's not going to feel like that. I think we talked about this early on. If you watch a network thing and you're really getting into it, you don't know. And you hit the you know you hit the pause button to see where you are, how much longer you got, and you're three quarters or. 80% of the way through, and you don't, and you feel like, oh, we're nearly done. And I've already, you know, that's always good because that means, hey, this show's moved at a good pace and, and it's kept you interested. The worst is when you watch a show and after about an hour or so, you're like, hit the play button and you've got three hours to go. And you're like, oh, God, no, 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 no. And I've, I mean, and I've done that on some of the shows they've had on there too. You know, just going back and looking right now, they had, you said the show was what, two and a half hours ish? Yeah, I think maybe like two thirty. No, it might be. Yeah, I think it's like two and a half. They have five matches. Yes. You know, and it's like I was, we talked about during Clash of Champions. If you can have a two and a half, three hour show and have anywhere between five to eight matches, you know, you're giving those matches time to breathe. You're giving them yes. time to tell a story. You're giving them time to work. You can't you're beat that. Them, you know, you give them time for a good entrance, a good entry. You can put together one of your. You know, one of their great video promos to set, set the stage. You don't have to feel like you're slapdashing. You don't feel like, going, oh, God, if, I don't, if we don't cut it, you know, if we don't get everything in in five minutes, then we're in trouble. No, you got time to let it breathe. And like you said, that's huge. Absolutely. Huge, huge there. And again, I, that's the thing I've loved about the takeovers. That's the probably my favorite. Um, and they, they were doing this even before. And, um, but their their kind of concept, not as many matches, you know, anywhere, generally anywhere between five to seven, maybe eight. But, you know, you're getting about a two and a half hour show, but it doesn't feel like it. It feels like the show goes, you know, an hour. You know, it's just moving so quick. There's not, a, you know, there's not a lot of um, downtime, not a lot of dead time. You know, it's generally... You know, we got a we got our promo to bring us in. We got a match, promo, intro, match. You know, we'll you know we'll throw in some stuff in in between to kind of keep you kind of keep you on your toes. But it's going it's going good, and, and I really really love that about NXT. Well, most definitely. Um, and I I think we mentioned it, but just if we didn't, uh, Finn Balor won. Yeah, um, he, he, he retained a. Get classic match. It's very good and, match. Very good match. And they and they really, um, you know, they look like they're trying to turn the uh, undisputed era face here because you had kind of the O'Reilly gets up, walks over to Balor, shakes his hand, gives him the respect. You got the the classic another NXT trope that's about to happen that we're going to mention here. The NXT trope. We have the the graphics, the copyright, the the ending graphics pop up. Do so you think the show's over? They did this with Gargano and uh, Champa, where they had the thing come up and then Champa did the beatdown. And they did it again, where Gargano hit Gar Champa and Gargano in the back of the head with the crunch. This time, the 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 graphics show up. You think it's over? They look like they're to fade away, and then Rich Holland, a, a new NXT guy, comes to the ring holding the body of 
Adam Cole over his shoulder, and he just dumps Cole out uh, right in front of O'Reilly. Um, O'Reilly comes out to check on him, as does Bobby Fish and uh, Roderick Strong to check on him. And that was supposed to lead to um, a big angle now, because obviously Holland's going after the Undisputed Era, and then Holland blew his knee out on Wednesday night, and that looks like it's on uh, on hiatus. Yeah, I was going to mention, I was watching Wednesday night when that happened. Uh, I felt so bad for him. Um, that's, yeah. just, that's just horrible, horrible timing and horrible luck. You know, obviously you wouldn't wish that to happen to anybody at any time. Um, but, but for it, for it to be right after the takeover, and you could tell that obviously something was about to start um, between him and the undisputed era, which means he was about to be in a big in a big spot on NXT. I um, mean, to see that happen, and it looked like it looked like maybe a freak accident in terms of you know you see that move happen right. all the time, and that's that's probably the first time I've ever seen somebody get seriously seriously hurt on that type of a move. Um, but yeah, it, it, oh, that, yeah, I felt really, really bad for him. Um, you, you know, you anticipate he'll be out of action for a while, um, recovering and recuperating. So we wish him the best. Uh, Absolutely. You know, and any, anytime you see something like that on live television, and uh, let's preface this by saying he's a former rugby player. So, yeah. you know, just, just naturally, that's a tough dude. Yeah. Um, and to hear him, you know, hollering and, and, and whatnot, that, that was just tough to watch. Um, and then seeing him getting taken out on a stretcher with a full leg cast, you knew it was serious because you never see him put a full leg cast on somebody if it's a work. Um, no. So that, yeah, like, yeah, I definitely felt, felt for him a great deal. Yeah, okay, so the damage he took did – Dislocated and broken left ankle, ruptured patellar tendon, and a patellar dislocation. Uh, he had surgery. He had surgery on Thursday. Ugh. So that's yeah. He's gonna be out for a while. And again, the timing couldn't be worse because you know you're setting something up with him as the uh, as kind of the full. And of course, the undisputed era have been the stalwarts of the uh, of NXT for the last. Uh, you know, couple of years. So you've got a chance to really set yourself up as a big time player. And then that happens. And, you know, it's interesting that, you know, thinking about it again uh, on Wednesday night, the segment before his match, he pulled up in a Mercedes and, you know, and they interviewed him outside and they asked him all about the car and stuff. And he's like, last week I didn't have a Mercedes this week. Right. I do. He's like, thank you, Adam Cole. So that kind of insinuated or intimated that, he was paid off by somebody to do somebody's dirty work for him. Right. So it seemed so like there can, was a really good backstory that was going to build. Um, and you can still do that now, but it's a lot harder without him there. Right. And I think, I mean, you can do it. It's just that the focus is going to shift from him to whoever yes. it was that paid yeah. him off. And Holland, all of a sudden, he sort of loses that spot because Holland would have probably been the the muscle or the – the heavy for whoever was in charge of doing it. So tough, tough break for Ridge Holland, who, who had really established himself as kind of a, a as a breakout guy. And then this happened. So again, horrible, horrible luck and time in there for Ridge Holland. But again, great, great show. Uh, takeovers are, are almost always 
really, really good. Uh, I don't think they've ever really, I don't think they've ever had a bad one. Even their, their worst ones are still generally above average shows. So they, again, hit another one, hit another one out of the park. Oh, definitely. I, yeah, I don't think, you know, and I obviously haven't watched all of them. I will say the one takeover that I regret not watching, and I mean, I could go back and watch it now. Um, but in 2018, TakeOver New Orleans, uh, before WrestleMania, you know, I was in the city. Me and my fiance, we were going to WrestleMania. Fiance is not the biggest wrestling fan in the world, so I wasn't trying to press my luck. So I didn't try and convince her to go to TakeOver. Um, but to this day, I wish I would have found a way to go to that one. That's Argu- widely, arguably the- I was about to say, oh, it's yeah, widely, arguably- re- widely regarded as one of the better TakeOvers ever. Um, yeah, and... It, and you've got oh go ahead i'm sorry i was just gonna say takeovers they don't miss man they have a formula it's like you were saying about you know a, a build-up promo match get out move on their their formula that they have for takeovers really really work um they never miss in my opinion right and and they've got a and again they've got that formula pretty much down pat and I don't, and I, and I don't want them to ever go away from it. I don't ever want them to, uh, to try to to extend it. Like, you know, WrestleMania is now, you know, basically a seven-hour show when you add, uh, you add kickoff and everything to it, and that's just too much. They need to leave it like it is. I don't want them to ever extend or think, okay, we need to make this a four-hour show. They're they're where they need to be. Maybe extend to three hours and add a match, but that's about as far as I would go. Yeah, you know? I don't. I think they're. I think they. I mean, they have a lot of wrestlers, but they don't have a plethora of them, kind of like Raw and SmackDown do. So I don't. I don't think it's necessary. Like you said, the the formula works. It has worked. Um, I think it will continue to work. Um, once again, just maybe, like I said, maybe just throw a little bit of entertainment in there every now and then. Yes. That would, that would be, you know, what do they say? If I had the pencil or whatever, that would be the only thing I would kind of add to it. Um, And even then that wouldn't, you know, maybe a minute or two during a show. Yes. Um, Nothing major. And, and, and don't put imposter announcers at ringside. Yeah. Don't do that. (laughs) Like I'm fine. I'm fine. If Beth Phoenix wants to do her stuff from, remote that's fine well that's what that's what was confusing because she's been doing that right right she's been remote so it's it's not a secret you know it's not like they're showing her every wednesday on tv yeah. you know so why I, I just i really do not understand that but i, also, I digress i, I, I do want to say real quick um i i really have I've, beth phoenix has grown on me as an announcer she's she's really you can tell she's really worked at making herself good at it and, and learning more and more about the, the art of commentating. And this is probably going to be an unpopular opinion. I think Mauro Ranallo leaving probably helped. It's going to sound bad, but Mauro had his style and, and, and his style was fine. He, he's good. I'm not trying to say that, but I think he's very, um, what's we're looking for? He, he's very demonstrative. He's very vocal. He's very, loud for lack of a better term and he sometimes doesn't let things breathe and i think vic joseph being there kind of helps her she can get she can get her points across without having to worry about morrow trying to go over 
to call something else. Oh, I yeah, I completely agree. Um, I I would I would liken Morrow to a wrestling version of Gus Johnson. Yes. Um, you know, it could be the second quarter, and you think whatever team had just scored a touchdown just won the Super Bowl or something with Gus Johnson. You know, it works in the key moments. Yeah, you know, like in, in the big moments, it doesn't get better than Mario Ronaldo or Gus Johnson or a Mike Breen in the NBA, but it, it, it can become overbearing at times. Yes. yes. And it's not – like you said, you, you're not knocking him at all because um, I would take Mario Ronaldo over a bunch of people. Um, but I, like you said, regarding Beth, somebody that's learning and trying to grow and develop that can – from the outs- from an outsider's perspective, that can be an issue for that person, in my opinion. Yeah, just um, you know, just because you know you're trying to you're trying to get some points across and sort of get yourself more more comfortable saying stuff and and getting those points across and getting kind of your announcer voice, for lack of a better term, and you know, and then Morrow's hitting another high spot, and I think I think. Vic, you know, Vic Joseph is also very, very good, but a little bit more reserved, a little bit more laid back. He can let, he can sort of let her get her, her say in and let her find her voice where Morrow is very, you know, I, I don't want to say, I don't want to say selfish. That's, that's not fair to Morrow because it's just his style. It's just. Right. You're working, you know, it's like you said, when you're working with Beth, she's very laid back on commentary. She, you know, she'll get excited or whatnot, but she's naturally laid back, kind of calm, kind of reserved. Um, and then when you bring in Morrow, who is the complete opposite, it it just overshadows anything right. Beth would do. You and know, not, not at his fault or anything like that, but that's just, you know, it's how it works with that combination. And also um, Wade Barrett, Stu Bennett, whatever you want to call him, um, that guy's good. He's I solid. really, really like Wade Barrett. Uh, he has he has really added a dimension to uh, to it. I was, you so, know, I, I was just thinking. Do you think? I don't want to call him the worst because who's the worst announcer in WWE? Oh, like, would oh. it be Michael Cole? Because they're, they're everybody's they're gonna, good. What I'm gonna what I'm gonna say is Michael Cole when Vince is in his ear, because we have yeah. heard Michael Cole when he did like Beast in the East a few years ago, when he's done the May Young Classic, left to his own devices and left to, left alone to just sort of call the match. Michael Cole is really, 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 really good. No, yeah, yeah. That I mean, that's why he's had a job for twenty five years or however when, long it is. But when Vince gets in his ear and wants him to do all the corporate buzzwords and get those catchphrases in, and he sounds just fake. Yep. Yeah, he he he's not he's not good. And and I, and I, and I put I, again most of my gripes with with commentary, I put on Vince more than I put on the commentators themselves because like most of the commentators I've heard. I've heard them without Vince in their ear, and they sound a million times better. Right. No. So, yeah, and that's what I was. That's what I was just trying to think in my head, like, because in my opinion, like, I don't, you know, worst is the wrong word to use, because they're all really good. Yeah, Cole, but if it, Cole, I guess if you had to rank them, Cole, I, yeah. Cole, when Vince is in his ear is probably the the most the the 
least listenable. I'll say that because he starts getting really, you know, you start getting the buzzwords and all that stuff. But I would also say that when Cole is left to his own devices, when he's allowed to kind of do his thing, Cole's about as good as anybody I've ever heard. And that's, and that's sacrilegious to say that might even include Jim Ross. Right. I mean, he, he, Cole knows his stuff. Cole knows his his stuff. His his uh May Young stuff, him and Beth Phoenix in twenty eighteen was glorious. And you could tell he was legitimately excited. He was legitimately into it. He was really putting everybody putting the work the wrestlers over, putting the importance of it over. Beth worked really well with him. She you know, she was still trying to find her voice as an announcer. But those two really, really had something going as far as chemistry and as a, and a, as a team. And so, like I say, without Vince in your ear, I think you're going to get good commentary. Samoa Joe has also been really, really good. He, he has – I'm not shocked because he could always talk, but he has really stepped his game up. Yeah, I was going to say I was surprised, but then, I, you know – because I've caught myself on Raw, watching Raw or whatever, thinking like, you know, Samoa Joe's really good. And then I'm like, well, why should I be surprised? Yeah. Like, the man could talk about anything to anybody, you know, for any amount of time. Like, that's one of his specialties is being on the mic. Right. Um, but, yeah, he, I mean, there's not in, – in WWE, there's not a bad announcer at all. And, you know, and then over – I would say over the last two, two or three years, Corey Graves has grown on me so much. Yes, um, he he is so good. He's so Although good. Will, he's good. I will say that I think at times Vince gets it here's ear too. Yep. But again, his natural talent is so good, he can overcome it. He he's, he's to me he's a he can be a better heel commentator than Jerry Lawler was in the late nineties. Yes. Minus yes. all the you know nobody's going to be Jerry Lawler's crude jokes like those were top-notch at the time like you can't beat them you can't do them anymore but in terms of being like a nagging heel yes. announcer Corey Graves is up there man he's he's up there you know I like JBL back in the day as a heel announcer but he could become very loud and obnoxious yes for me uh, uh, his his thing was when he was when he was when he was really just kind of letting it kind of flow he was really good whenever he had like this idea that okay i need to go after this face or this face and i've really got to point out how much i dislike them or their antics he would go so far off the rails it would just it would kind of derail everything yeah i feel like he would about have a heart attack sometimes or something just yes and it got to be too much for me at times um but yeah it, I, like i said i was just thinking about the commentary and 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 how good it is within WWE, you know, that isn't even talking about Nigel McGinnis and Tom Phillips and yes. I mean, they're all like, they, they're all really, really, really good at what they do. Like you said, outside of Vince getting in their ears. Um, yeah. you, and you can tell when that happens and it's very yes. frustrating. Um, because you know, they'll say one, something and then you'll hear a pause and then they'll repeat it with the word in there yeah and which is funny i don't know i'm sure you've heard it but jim ross talking about how uh vince would always be in his ear back in the day but jerry lawler said vince never told him one thing 
Well, and, think, and, he, uh, and, and Ross would say that Vince would yell at him over something that Jerry would say, but he wouldn't tell Jerry. He would just yell at Jim Ross. And then, like, during commercial break, Jim Ross would be like, hey, did, did Vince tell you this, too? And like he said, uh, Lawler would just look at him and be like, no, nah, Vince hadn't said a word to me. Supposedly, and I don't know if it's true or not, I don't doubt it, um, Lawler told Vince that if you ever yell in his ear like that, he would get right back on the – he'd get right back on a plane and go back to Memphis and never come back. I would not doubt it. And so Vince kind of was willing to, you know, let it go. And Ross was kind of, you know, he was kind of, he kind of had that old corporate background and that's just, you know, you know, you, you know, your boss is your boss and you take your cuits from him, whatever, you know, whatever the boss wants you to do. So he was willing to take those hits that, that Lawler wasn't going to take. And, you know, Foley's talked about how when he did his commentary, you know, he, you know, wrestlers would come to him, tell him, tell, come up to him and tell him how much they enjoyed it because he really put the work in. But then Vince wouldn't like something he said, and he would just unload on him right. over the over the over the headsets. And that's when uh, Foley finally is like, I can't do this anymore because I can't take getting cussed out every. 30 minutes over saying something that you don't like, even though it's what makes sense. Right. No, I, yeah, I don't doubt that at all from uh, Jerry Lawler. He, he comes off as that type of person. Um, honestly, I would probably have to do the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, just and, give, me the, Lawler, give me the freedom and, and trust me, you know. And Lawler's also kind of in a ball right. He's kind of in a spot where he can financially afford to if he says, you know what? I don't have to do this anymore. He could leave and he'd be fine. Yep. Where I know some of those guys probably, they couldn't just take the hit and quit because, hey. They need it. You know, and, yeah, because, you know, except, you know, AEW is around, but there's not many wrestling organizations out there that you can make that kind of money. Right. And even in AEW, you only got one weekly show and you already have three announcers. So, you know, uh, there's not really, like you said, there's not – that many open spots currently um so yeah that was that was your commentary talk for <laughs> for, yeah. the, for the week uh but yeah like i said that that has just popped in my head a few minutes ago and i just wanted your thoughts i like i said I, I trying to think of the worst commentator in wwe right now is is kind of hard um i know yeah. some people uh, some people are down on michael cole whatever and i think a lot of that has to do with the fact that he's been on air for over 20 years, over two decades when he, you know, he was doing backstage interviews in like 97, 98, um, yep. you know, and then he had the almost impossible task of replacing Jim Ross, um, you know, and that's the equivalent of replacing Bear Bryant or, or, you know, Bill Belichick when he retires, like yep. usually, usually the immediate replacement isn't going to work out. And, um, and, and so unfortunately, and, and again, going back, Cole kind of also, um, you may remember this, Ross had a had a bout with uh, Bell's Palsy. Right. Late 98, and Cole took over. This is the peak of the Attitude Era. Fans were conditioned to love Jim Ross, and so Cole kind of took the brunt of the, well, where's Jim Ross now? And so that was kind of his first thing. And like you said, you don't replace a guy like Jim Ross without – people being unhappy it's just not gonna happen absolutely he came in i think it was 97 i think he took over for todd pettengill in 97 
and he's been there ever since. And he's really, he's like I said, he knows his stuff. It's just, you know, you get somebody in your ear screaming at you and telling you how to do things. It just, you know, sometimes it just doesn't come off that that well. But again, let's just own device is cold great. Oh, I completely agree. So, do you have any other thoughts about uh, the, the the takeover show? Or um, I think we covered all of it, and we, we we pretty much gave all our thoughts. Anything else you wanted to add to it? Or uh, I'm good. I I think we've just about everything. Absolutely, and yeah, and like like we said, uh, thoughts go out to to Rich Holland. Hope he makes a, a speedy recovery, as speedy as he can, uh, given the circumstances and the injuries. Um, that's one of the worst worst situations I'd seen in a long time in terms of um, being injured um, at that moment with what was probably about to happen with him. Um, right. So yeah that that put a that put a, a uh, th- that dampened the the excitement I had for um, takeover, and then the NXT show that came on the following Wednesday. Because um, those, like I said, you can't go wrong watching a takeover. Um, you really can't go wrong watching an NXT weekly show. Uh, you, you know, we don't necessarily talk about NXT that much on this podcast. It's more of a uh, uh, main roster, I guess you'd say, for lack of a better term, focused podcast. But I mean, NXT, man, there it's the best wrestling going on right now, in my opinion. Um, and anytime a takeover is coming on, I make sure to catch it um, because you're bound to see some really, really, really good wrestling. Yeah, it's again, NXT is really, really kind of filled that niche as the as the more wrestling based of the of the of the WWE brands. And, and again, they takeovers are generally their showcase and they, they never, I've never seen them miss one. And sometimes they knock them way out of the park. Most definitely. Well, guys, before we get out of here, I do want to let y'all know uh, next week, our topic will be Halloween Havoc. Um, We'll be reviewing a previous Halloween Havoc pay-per-view. We haven't picked a year yet. Um, so that'll be a surprise for you if you're listening. Um, but for me personally, you know, Slade was talking about it earlier, but Halloween Havoc for me personally was my favorite WCW pay-per-view. Um, as a kid, it, it just, the, the presentation of it with the entrance ways every year. And, and, uh, I think last night I was watching the 1993 Halloween Havoc, 93 or 92. It's the one where it opens with I think so. It was the one that opened with Tony Schiavone in the yes. house. And then he was dressed and, up as Jesse Ventura. And then Jesse Ventura was dressed up as a Bourbon Street gynecologist because they were in New Orleans. Gotcha. So, that, but yeah, that, that's, that's always. One, is, that a, is that a Flair and Rude was one of the co-mains. The other, I believe, was Cactus Jack and Fader. I think, yeah, I believe that was the year. I'll be honest. I fell asleep before I got that far, but I believe I, I believe that was here because it was about one o'clock this morning when I was watching it. That's understandable. I'm but go back and watch it. If I remember, that's a pretty good show if I remember right. But yeah, Halloween Habit was a was a stall was a really always a good and it generally sets you up for a good starcade. If you if you done right, it was a really really good preview for uh, for starcade. You could get some really good matches in there. 
Um, some infamous, some famous and infamous stuff happened at Halloween Havoc for WCW in the in the mid to late nineties. Um, but yeah, it was a great show. Some great matches back then, and again with NXT bringing Halloween Havoc back, we thought, eh, and it being October, let's let's uh, let's look back at one of the Halloween Havocs of uh, of of your. Absolutely. Um, so we're looking forward to that. Like I said, one of my my favorite pay per view. Um, as a kid for WCW. Uh, so it should be a fun time guys. We, we, we hope that you've enjoyed listening to us again. Um, we're starting to get the hang of this thing. We're four episodes deep. Um, and, and I'm enjoying doing this a lot. Uh, Slate, I hope the same could be said for you. Um, and I hope everybody's enjoying listening to us as well. Yeah, it's, it's been fun. And again, I've enjoyed doing it. Uh, it's a, it's a good way to kind of keep, keep uh tabs on the new product and also a way to sort of look back at some of the stuff that we remember so fondly from our from our childhood absolutely and with that being said guys uh we'll go ahead and get off of here and we'll let y'all get back to y'all's lives so with that being said once again follow us on our social medias on twitter and on facebook um and we will be back next week with a halloween habit review thank you guys have a good